code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films, one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis. And I'm Heather Artis. Thanks for joining us for Minute 25 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. I hope everyone enjoyed our inadvertent Valentine's Day episode yesterday, the appropriately named Fifty Shades of Pirates with content span a little love and heavy on 18th century weapons and torture talk. It was also an episode where I really did strive to set a personal record for making Heather the butt, or should I say the heart, of my jokes. So to make up for that, I thought I would honor her with a post-Valentine's Day song clip, something that is close to her heart. question why is the rum gone i was actually expecting more of a, a reaction from you with the grog and stuff that actually is a, a piece from the clip that adam shared or the remix actually i should say of why is the rum gone <laughs> <laughs> thought it fit perfect i guess it doesn't really strike at love necessarily but except heather's love for rum and grog yes on a more serious topic, though, just wanted to give a shout out to Nicole Diamond 63 for listening and the great research she sent our way on Pirates of the Caribbean number 5, Dead Men Tell No Tales. She discovered quite a few cool facts and shared those with us on BlackPearlMinute.com. So if you don't mind or are looking for a few spoilers, like Captain Salazar's full name or the name of his ship and the Devil's Triangle, sail on over to BlackPearlMinute.com. You can find recent comments in the sidebar. Thanks, Nicole Diamond63, for being our pirate correspondent of the week. In the previous minute, Will Turner decided that it was, in fact, wise to cross blades with a pirate. After a bit of fancy footwork and patronizing conversation, Jack manages to outwit Will and rotate himself into a position to make a run for the door in imminent escape. But as usual, with the best laid plans, Will manages to surprise us and Jack by throwing his sword to block the escape, successfully and precisely sticking the sword in the door, preventing the drop bar from opening and keeping Jack from exiting the blacksmith shop. Minute 25 begins with a more than frustrated Captain Jack Sparrow trying to remove the sword from the door, allowing Jack to escape. Trying to gather his composure and now walking back towards Will, Jack informs him, that is a wonderful trick, except once again you are between me and my way out. The minute ends with both of them engaged in a sword fight. Well, a momentary break in the fighting, so to speak. So Jack could engage in a battle of wits by telling Will that perhaps the reason he practices three hours per day is that you already found one, referring to a girl, and are otherwise incapable. Again, we find ourselves ending the minute in mid-sentence. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I thought I'd move away from the dot, dot, dots <laughs> oh. for a while. Just because we have been so many minutes of thought. Yeah, I didn't want people yeah. to start going, Jesus, with the dot, dot, dot thing, guys. So yeah, I'm, I'm shaking it up a bit. <laughs> More than frustrated is a good word here. Jack is bounce, actually bouncing up and down trying to get this sword out of the door. 
It's actually bouncing up and down. Yeah, he's, shaking. He the was thing. doing some of the bouncing in the previous thing, so it's yeah. a, the bounce that spanned two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually, I wasn't really going to start there. That's I know the beginning I, of the minute. I know. But I jump I, to the end, and you tell me, wait, 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 we're jumping to the end. It's the beginning of the minute. I just said I'm shaking things up a bit. What? But actually, it is kind of, it's not really a beginning or end thing. It's an all-encompassing minute thing. Really? Because, yeah, we're in our second of the four sword fighting episodes this week. Yes. And I thought I would hit you with the behind-the-scenes thoughts from the screenwriters, Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott. Specifically, they said there are two ways to write a sword fight. Either write it in a way that is exciting or simply say, they sword fight. And leave it to the choreographers to actually design it, if you will. So this is they sword fight? No, actually, essentially. So they actually did something a bit more exciting and put moves in and direction. And they they really described how the sword fight should be as opposed to just, you know, saying that it cuts to a sword fight scene and then allowing the choreographers to come up with the moves and stuff. So they actually tried to bring in their personality or their writing into this choreography or this sword fighting that we're seeing here. Essentially, it's about how they want to see their vision manifested. Even by providing some exciting direction, as I said, the choreographers obviously play an important role in bringing this to life. So I'm not taking away anything from sword masters or sword fighting masters or all that good stuff out there, choreographers. The writers definitely have a chance to put put their own flair on it and to try and have at least direct where they want things to go. So the trick to do with a sword fight, they said, is is to also have this character interaction. It's not only showcasing the conflict between two characters. I mean, they are, are sword fighting. So obviously there is a conflict there. But it's including their positions and beliefs. And so that's kind of what we see here with Jack wanting to simply leave without fighting. It's the easiest and safest solution. And we talked a bunch about mm-hmm. that yesterday so i'm not going to necessarily go into that you know so it really is showing jack's character again with this sword fighting he's just doing it to get what he to get to the position where he wants them then he's going to get out of there but will is not wanting to to let jack or a pirate or the pirate leave so we're seeing him wanting to continue the battle whether it's at his detriment or not and we also talked about some of those reasons too about the love or the implication that it has because elizabeth swan is involved and he threatened her We really see this develop more in the next minute. And it actually starts with Jack finishing his line that we were so rudely interrupted with at the end of this minute. So we're, you know, that whole, this whole transition and this whole characters and this whole sword fighting thing, you know, you see a lot of that come up in this next minute, or at least right at the beginning of the next minute when Jack finishes the line that, that we couldn't finish here, that, that falls in minute 26. So I see how some of that ties together. So everybody, that's the teaser. You'll have to tune in tomorrow to hear what happens there and and why I'm saying that. (laughs) So my thoughts, I normally don't like fighting scenes because they're so long and so boring. And But this is actually broken up with a little bit of talking in between, a little bit of poking at each other, you know. It's it's broken up because Jack really doesn't want to fight Will. He just wants to get out of here, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to remember there's, you know, some movies where... It just goes on too long and you start like looking at your watch, but I can't think of one. Hidden Dragon movie? Hidden Dragon. The the dragon movie. Oh. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? You know, I haven't seen that in such a long. the longest fight scene Are we sure? I haven't, I don't really remember that too much, so I'd have to go back. All those out there, send your hate mail because Heather doesn't like that to Heather 
and, and she can address that. <laughs> I'd have to rewatch it to say that. There's just so many movies out there that just have these huge, long fight scenes. And you're just like forever just fighting. And where this one, yeah, it spans most of our five minutes, you know, this week. It, it is broken up with little banter here and there. Well, it, it's not necessarily straight sword fighting because we do see them start to fight. Then Jack makes a run for the door. The sword goes in the door. So that's already broken up. Right. Now we're in this minute and there is more sword fighting and there's some talking. Then we don't know what happens in the next few minutes. Right. But it, I, still, I don't think it's I think not, it breaks it up a little bit. So right. it's not just strictly sword fighting. And there's some other non-traditional action that happens in these scenes too. So it's not just strictly sword fighting. They do bring in some other elements and some unique elements that, that make it work, I think. Well, there's this fun banter in this minute. That's there's a true. lot of fun banter in this minute. Yeah. You know. Kind of like what we do here where you're always the butt of my jokes. And see, that makes it fun for me. And for all the listeners. Yeah, especially yesterday. What was up with that? Hey, I even played a song for you. It's something touched you to your heart. You know, where is your rum, basically? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to find a song for you. And I won't play it. (laughs) I know. You manage all this stuff. I mean, come on. (laughs) Back to where I was going with the sword fighting and the choreography. And I think it would be a travesty, actually, not to mention the choreographer, the sword master on this. It's probably not what everybody expected, actually. At least as far as his age is concerned, since his resume really does speak for itself. His name is Bob Anderson. And during filming of The Curse of the Black Pearl, he was 80 years old. And he actually passed away in 2012. Oh, seriously? Yeah. So we're not talking some young swashbuckler that comes in. He's actually, he's really, you know, an 80-year-old seasoned sword fighter. So he is more, he is a a sword master, not just a choreographer, but actually a sword master. Exactly. And you know, when you- I'm not making fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's my nickname is actually sword master. God. What's that line from Big Bang Theory when he when he gets the sword and then he turns around and sells the sword from when it as a uh, I can't remember what it is I am the sword master of something and then he turns around and he he blinks out of there anyways that's sorry you're going back to Big Bang Theory and we can't even complete the reference so that that's pretty just poor actually was poor I am the sword master of Azeroth maybe maybe that's what it is I don't remember yeah and then he turns around and sells it on eBay or something that's pretty good. But anyways, Bob Anderson, 80 years old at the time, and he was actually an English Olympic fencer and a renowned film fight choreographer, and he has a cinema career that actually spanned more than 50 years and included films such as Highlander, The Princess Bride, The Mask of Zorro, The Lord of the Rings, and Die Another Day. Wow. You say that, but you know I've actually never heard of any of these films, but I'm assuming... <laughs> We're pretty sure some of them were popular. That's just me. I don't really know much just, about this just stuff. Just a snidge. Exactly. Just a smidge. So Anderson actually was regarded as the premier choreographer of Hollywood sword fighting. And it was during his career he coached many actors in swordmanship, including Errol Flynn. I'm not sure what, you know, how what our audience makeup is out there, but I'm not sure that everybody's, you know, really watching a bunch of Errol Flynn movies. Uh, I'm not sure I've ever seen one, actually. Well, that's blasphemy right there, because <laughs> he has been in a bunch of pirate movies, and he was Robin Hood. Oh, okay. So, and which Robin Hood? Like, like probably the '30s or the '40s. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but interesting note on Errol Flynn is he starred in Captain Blood, which is a movie on our that commonly pops up on like the top ten pirate movies list, mm-hmm. and it's usually somewhere in there. And that Captain Blood was actually his first leading role, if I recall correctly. 
So Errol Flynn, for all you Errol Flynn fans out there, we're giving you a <laughs> shout out. In addition to Errol Flynn, you know, he trained and helped Sean Connery, Antonio Banderas, and then obviously Johnny Depp for, for his role here. I'm not sure who those three are. Can you Yeah, uh, they're B-list actors, <laughs> most of them. And he also appeared as a stunt double for Darth Vader. And he was so basically he was Darth Vader's lightsaber. He played as Darth Vader's lightsaber battles. He didn't play as them. He played Darth Vader during the lightsaber battles in Star Wars Episode Five, which is The Empire Strikes Back, and Star Wars Episode Six, Return of the Jedi. So he actually got in the suit and played him. Well, unless you saw an old man running around. No, I'm saying because <laughs> you know, well, that's a you, weird you edit. Used it a little. It's Darth Vader's there, and then all of a sudden it's this this older white guy. <laughs> And you're no. like, well, that's weird. Why did Darth you Vader get out of his giddy-up? I didn't think he could survive outside of his suit. You confused it a little. You said he didn't play as. And then you said, but he played, he, he did his sword fight. So well, I was just clarifying. No, it's yeah, because I, the way I said it, it yeah. made it sound like he played as his lightsaber battles. And nobody could really play as a lightsaber <laughs> battle. So he was Darth Vader during the lightsaber battles. So, so he didn't actually train the, I don't know who's in the Darth Vader suit. Sorry, I don't remember. Now you just put me on a spot and I can't think of his name right now. And I'm like a huge <laughs> Star awesome, Wars fan. That's awesome, guys. That's absolutely awesome because David Prowse. Is, there you go. Boom, got it. It took Woo. him a minute, though. I'd like everybody to know this is one of Scott's most favorite movies in the whole entire world. And it took him a minute to actually come up with Darth I'm Vader. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I'm going to have to, to genuflect Aww. at the altar of the Death Star here Man. to try and get back in favor with uh, Lord Vader. Do something. He even was a Darth Vader stand in during the fight sequences and i'm sure that there was some training for some of the other ones or for the people that were playing that because he couldn't sure stand in for everybody well i don't know i'm just saying i'm just telling you what i know i don't <laughs> i'm assuming that he did some other fight sequences and choreography and helped train them and yeah and at least show them some moves so when they do close-ups that they're not looking like buffoons on there right they want it to actually look like you're not like just hitting sticks back and forth as a kid even when they do the close-up scenes <laughs> Yeah, man, that took just a turn for the worse. <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit all that out. This podcast, no, this episode will be like five minutes long. You can't. Anyways, then of course he became the Swordmaster in Pirates of the Caribbean: Sword The Curse Master. of the Black Pearl, which I said is my nickname, Swordmaster. Yeah. Since I obviously just mentioned Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars: Return of the Jedi, you know these are obviously a few other movies I've never heard of either. So we'll just have to go from there. I really need to do Get Out more. Get out of my box. Yeah, you should really watch the movies. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to watch those since, what, the 70s and 80s? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we'll go from there. I'll, I'll put them on my list. You obviously haven't watched them because you don't know who plays Darth Vader. I don't know if we want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to edit that pause out, and there's not going to be anything there, and then oh. it's just going to be streamlined. No, you can't do that. I might have to do that. Anyways, I was mentioning Errol Flynn, and then we're talking about Bob Anderson. So during rehearsal for a scene, Bob accidentally slashed Flynn on his thigh and leading to this notoriety in Hollywood and a nickname as the man who stabbed Errol Flynn. Oh, no. With my nickname as Swordmaster, I think that's not a bad nickname, if I do say so myself. And, you know, actually, it's way better than the nickname George Costanza got from his colleagues. It was Coco the Monkey. So you could have the man who stabbed Errol Flynn, you could have Swordmaster, or you could have Coco the Monkey. 
Which I have to clarify is I'm going to let that slide, actually, because Coco was actually a gorilla. And it really is a pet peeve of mine confusing apes and monkeys. I'm going to let that go, and we'll just call that a day. But you kind of really didn't let it go. You explained. I did have to explain, because uh-huh. that's how much it bad. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I didn't go on for 10 minutes. No, but you you made it clear. So I think Heather's making this go on longer than it. I was done with it, <laughs> and I was good. I just had to point out that you are have this real big issue. Where with is the rum? Why is the rum gone? <laughs> That's all I can ask. It's painful. It's, it's like death by a thousand cuts every time we have to record an episode. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? Well, I had to. We get could some... fire you. <gasps> Anyways. <laughs> Now's the time for sword fighting. If you have anything on sword fighting, let's get it out. So, according to the audio commentary from Pirates of the Caribbean um, DVD, actually, the scriptwriters said that Will Turner is actually the best swordsman in the Pirates universe. Well, second best. I'm the sword master, oh, and I am in a Pirates of the Caribbean minute, which is part of the expanded universe now, as far oh, as I'm concerned. Okay. Second. Let's, let's see you go against Will Turner and see who wins. I'm going to get my Gandalf sword and I'm going <laughs> to see what happens. <laughs> and according to the commentary, Barbosa's skills are equal to that of James Norrington and exceed exceeded only by Will Turner. Huh? Jack Sparrow's skills actually trail behind Barbosa's. Well, so we got a hierarchy of sword fighting skills for the movie already established. Yes. Oops, I accidentally brought Barbosa in. But, you know, Ooh, it's sword fighting. Yeah, yeah, spoiler. You're right, spoiler. Yeah, who's Nobody Barbosa? heard Barbosa. Who's this Barbosa we're talking no about? no clue. Hmm. You must have meant very... Barbasol, like that shaving cream. It's shaving cream. That's probably yesterday what Yesterday you were bringing, yesterday, right? You were bringing up the... Oh, I never make a mistake. No, you were bringing... <laughs> Oh, no, it was a few days ago. You were bringing Gillette. No, everything I do is Gillette. intentional. Gillette. You were singing Gillette. Now yeah. you're going Barbasol. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. So there is a tie-in. There's a method to the madness I have. We're all, I, we're like, all shaving. Like the writers, I weave in these intricate storylines and I'm able to call back. It really has a connection to our previous episodes. Yes. There we go. You're so brilliant. Thank you. You heard it here. God. I wish I could say it was the first time I've heard that. but. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to the characters. But before that, I did want to say I feel complete. It is in this minute that we see the rest of the gibbet that I was talking about yesterday. I couldn't let the weapons and torture devices go. Yesterday, I mentioned that there was a headpiece for a gibbet. And here we see the body and leg frame or the cage or whatever we want to call it. I'd say more of a cage. Yeah, it is more of a cage. Will is pretty close to finishing this up, and he's probably hoping to put Jack in it, as I'm guessing, (laughs) and hang it from it, you know, from that empty noose that we saw in the previous minutes when Jack sails into Port Royal. There really is that empty slot. I'm thinking Will is really hating pirates so much that he's now creating gibbets, and he's thinking, you know, I could use this one. And now that's really why he, he wants to have Jack. He really wants to try out his new gibbet. You've really created a lot of hate in Will here. Against pirates. Well, his character... And I'm not really feeling that much hate. I mean, he dislikes Jack. Well, for one thing, he you know, threatened it's, his it's woman. It's like, there's a saying. But... A picture speaks a thousand words. Yeah. The wall of horror in his blacksmith shop speaks a thousand words. But that may- guy is into some nasty stuff. Maybe it w- 
was Jay Brown that did it. Well, it's possible, but we do learn in this minute that he is the one who makes all this stuff. He makes all the swords. I'm thinking he's doing a little more than that. We know that John Brown is sitting there with the rum. I'm just trying to say, I'm trying to build Will's character out a little bit. You're trying to put an ugly spin on He has a dark side. He has a dark side. I don't think Will's that way. I think he's soft hearted. Trust me, I have another connection to the dark side coming up. (laughs) With Will? Yeah, with Will. This is perfect. So we can actually move on to the Will and Jack stuff if you want to do that. Okay. I mean... We can just start there. But, you know, so Jack comes back towards the, you know, towards Will after realizing he can't get out. And he says, basically, you're now standing in the way between me and my exit or Mm -hmm. my way out. And I'm venturing to say that Will appears quite smug and proud of himself preventing Jack from leaving. Do you see the look on his face? He's really pleased with himself. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I bested the pirate. Well, and that and he's like, I've been throwing swords in here for years. (laughs) And now he actually gets to use it for something. He's like, I never knew when this was going to come in handy. It's like calculus. You take it and you're like, is that stuff ever going to come in handy again? Until the one day you need calculus. And then you're like, and I don't know if those words have ever been uttered by anybody. Any normal person anyways. No. So yeah, there he goes. He's, he's got to use it. He's, I think he's more happy with the whole situation. Like, wow, I just threw that sword. He got to stay in here. I just proved I'm awesome and strong. Yeah. Unless he was really trying to pierce Jack. And oh, he it missed. got so close to his head? Yeah, that's not good. No. At least not for Jack anyway. No. And then this is when Jack says it was a wonderful trick, but as I mentioned, now he's standing in his way again. And so once Jack gets his frustration under control, he appears calm again all of a sudden. And he's like calm and collected. It's like he's devising yet another plan is, yeah. is what I'm thinking of. He's like, okay, I'm done with my fit. Now I'm going to... I got to figure this out. But Will is also devising a plan. Because when Jack's coming back and then Jack says something like, well, that was a good trick, as I mentioned, but now you don't have a weapon or a sword. Right. And you can see during this whole time that Will is looking around for something. Yeah. So he's actually like panning while Jack is talking with him like, hey, I'm going to need something. Well, this is a room of tortures. There's something everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's torture devices everywhere in this place. You could take off uh, Jack's head with something in here. Well, you could. Literally, there actually was executioner <laughs> axes in there. I don't know if you want to... You don't want to be wielding one of those with somebody with a nimble sword. You're trying to fling that giant axe around. It has a five-foot handle, and there's all that wood and stuff in there. You definitely get it hung up on something. Yeah, but look how far away you could be and actually hit him. Yeah, but that's possible if you can if you don't miss or anything, and then you got the axe stuck in... You know, the pillar or the post, as Heather Heather likes to call it, a pillar or the post. (laughs) But I think it's in, you know, it's in Jack's nature to think ahead. And it's also in his nature to have a sense of humor in all these situations. So maybe it helps him think or even it kind of throws his adversaries off a bit as they kind of, they do this, misconstrue his reaction as, you know, what do we have here? And it's kind of what we described before. It's, boy, this guy's joking around. He's aloof. He's definitely not at the top of the game of his game, and that's I think why Norrington has already underestimated him and said he's got to be the worst pirate I've ever yeah. seen. And after I see that, you know, where he's underestimating, you know, and I'm thinking oh, maybe Will is starting to underestimate him a bit, and Norrington definitely has. I'm just waiting for Jack to start to quote to Michael Scott from The Office and say, maybe next time you will estimate me. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing. I was like, you know, they're really understanding. The only thing I could, couldn't get out of my mind is Michael Scott like appearing out of there and saying, next time you'll estimate me. 
Does it help at all that we've been watching The Office recently? No, it's like good background noise for sure. It's one of those shows that we watch as background noise. And so we, you know. Because we've watched it so many times. Yeah, we can just put it on and, and you don't really need to pay attention to it. And it fills, a, fills some noise up. Will then, I don't know if you want to jump in at any of this, but Will pulls the sword from the forge and it's glowing like red hot. And, you know, I really just like the interplay with that. Or I'll just continue to go. Well, I was disappointed. I, was I mean, I was disappointed that Jack was not the one to grab the sword, actually, because I really wanted to credit him with inventing something. The lightsaber. <laughs> Back to the dark side. See how all this fits together? It's like a giant puzzle. But that honor now, unfortunately, goes to Will Turner of the dark side. The the Darth, Darth Will Turner, as we'll call him. Why can't he be Darth on the Sith. good side? I said he's... Why can't he be a rebel? We already know that he has a dark side, so he's part of the dark side. So it's just... We'll just no, have to leave it as oh well. We don't know he has a dark side just because he's got all the torture devices. <laughs> They're not his. They're J. Browns. We're not talking that somebody's collecting these, I don't think. He's actually using these things or selling them. Not, Maybe it's more of a museum. Okay, it could be a museum. It'd be like somebody having you know a collection of some of these things, and exactly. it's pretty cool to have. Yeah, we'll just go with that then. I'm shaking <laughs> my head back here. So I know everybody likes the idea that Will is the original Sith Lord. He's like Emperor Palpatine. What? Let's just leave it at that. This isn't Star Wars Minute. Will's a good guy. This is the founders or the pioneers of, of this genre, or at least the ones that inspired us at StarWarsMinute.com. And you can listen to all their previous episodes. I think they're doing Attack of the Clones as we're doing this one now. So so head on over there. But they have some great episodes. StarWarsMinute.com. Thanks, guys, for inspiring us. Now back to our regular scheduled programming. <laughs> Rosie. Poor Rosie. I feel so bad for her. She's so afraid when Will pulls the sword from the... Forge that she's going to be poked again. Yeah, that's what I have. Yeah, he pulls that, and we have this com- like this comedic relief before things start to happen with Rosie the donkey, and she definitely gets uneasy. It's oh, like, yeah. And I think, as I was going to mention, is that we have... So then when we have them sword fighting, which I think it gets back to what I was really saying before we got distracted with Star Wars, is that I really like the interplay here, and... And it's, a, and it's what we were talking about originally when we were talking about sword fighting is that they break it up with some non-traditional stuff that, for sword fighting. We have this interesting twist on this traditional sword fight that we would maybe see in swashbuckler movies or any other genre that would have sword fighting in it. And sparks start to fly. You know, we have swords hitting and clashing and there's some cool spark action. And Jack is probably thinking, actually, I really do not want another, you know, brand to happen right now did you see his eyes when they when will first pulls it from the forge well he's thinking he's like oh i'm in trouble if it it touches me it's gonna hurt it's like another pirate brand going on i don't he goes i definitely don't want it ruining my face i don't want it to heal my my sore you know he scalds the sore yeah he's got it going i think that rosie the donkey is thinking the same thought as jack Oh, I don't really want to get branded again. Yeah. So then I'll start the turning the wheel. So we have the two minds coming together, Donkey and Captain Jack Sparrow becoming one <laughs> in this moment. Poor Rosie. <laughs> yeah. And then Jack uses the chain on his iron bracelet, if we'll just call it a bracelet for now, to pull the sword from Will's hand and it flings it to the ground. And so I, 
I had really expected like a fire to start. I, you know, when that happened and he pulled it away, I thought, boy, this is going to go into some hay. Cause that's usually a proverbial thing. You pull something or a flame away and it goes into a thing of hay or right. paper or something starts a fire, but no, that didn't happen. I guess I was a little disappointed, but maybe I wasn't because I was expecting it, but then I was glad that it didn't because there's something really about the blacksmith shop that I like, and I'll talk about that here coming well, up. But yeah, there's a lot of dirt on the floor. Out. Well, we don't, we wouldn't want Rosie roasted for sure. No, we'd have to make sure she got out, and it's just less complicated. Yeah, I thought there was more hay on the ground from previous scenes, but then when we do a close up of the footwork action, it's it dirt. really is a lot of yeah. dirt, and there's no way that something. Yeah. You know, would really I don't think it's that it would pretty spark much up. metal stone and dirt in there. And and I, you know, want to imagine that that sword cools down pretty quickly, or at least not necessarily to the touch where it would be hot, but you know, to start a fire, it probably cools down pretty pretty quickly after yeah, it's been probably. pulled there to to at least a point. Yeah. And the other thing worth mentioning, I was talking about, is this blacksmith shop setting. I know we have talked about the, you know, kind of this poor design, or maybe better to say this poor upkeep of this building. It's considering it's less than waterproof, but it does add some great lighting elements, I think. You have sun coming through the slats, and not only reminds me of some of the old barns I've been in, but even if you haven't been in one, you still get this kind of nostalgic or old world feel. And so I think it deepens this immersion into this, you know, kind of pirate world we have here, this universe. Right. And so when we're in a theater, that I think that's what we want when the lights go down. We want to be immersed in that. We want yeah. to feel like we're there. And so we want that suspension of reality, that escapism and that entertainment. And I think that's exactly what was delivered here. Oh, I do too. Yeah. I have a comment regarding the sword that just came out of the fire, out of the forge, uh-huh. actually. Um, I, I found a little information on it. And the color actually is important. Because that's how they knew what temperature the swords were at to workability, you know. That makes sense. Um, The iron heats at um, different temperatures. You know, the red is the first color that comes in, and then orange and yellow, and then the finally white. Yeah. You know, white is the hottest. And the best time to actually work with a sword, when it's bright yellow-orange. So if when you do your sword making... (laughs) We'll have to Remember. add. We'll have to add a tag to all these posts so everybody who knows or wants to learn sword making they can come back and listen to this. <laughs> yes. So make sure it's bright yellow orange. What color was the sword in this minute? It was like orange red. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, thought. it was. It was red. It wasn't white. It wasn't. For sure. No, it was not. And it wasn't the. I don't think it was orange yellow. I think it was more the orange red. So it was just in the beginning of its heating phase mm. here. And another thing on the darkness of the room, a lot of blacksmiths used to work in dim or low light so that they could actually see the colors that the metal is giving oh, off so sense. they can, so they know what the temperature of the metal oh, is. Very cool. Yeah. We learn something new every day now. And direct sunlight actually obscures the colors. Well, that's what I think. I mean, I don't think most blacksmith shops, but what do I know? had you know where the roof roofs. was yeah the roof was pretty much non-existent <laughs> it was like a gazebo roof that has slatted slatted gazebo roof and then the sides rain definitely wouldn't help that situation if you're trying to heat your forge no and i'd like to go to the end of the minute where jack is telling will that he needs to find himself a girl because he's doing his sword practice three hours a day exactly yeah so that's he tells right. him you need to find yourself a girl mate or perhaps the reason you practice three hours a day is that you already found one and are otherwise incapable of dot, dot, dot. Yeah. 
baiting is what is sometimes used as a strategy when you bait your opponent to oh, distract yeah. them That's a good from what you're, you know, they're doing this sword fight. And so he's telling him, you know, he needs to find himself a mate and this and that. Well, we already know he's he fancies dis- Elizabeth. Yeah. So he's trying to distract him. And so he's using this baiting technique. So now he's just, yeah. So he's just playing the mental games. Yeah. Yeah. Jack is definitely a he's, mental. Oh, yeah. He plays the mental game first. And I think that was traditional with pirates as we've talked about quite a bit is they want to strike that fear. Yeah. Without actually having to do the fighting if possible. And Jack is really good at these mental games, as we've noticed. For sure. You know. Yeah. So that's that's what I've got for this minute. I'm good as well. And I was really hoping that we could end on escapism, because I thought that would have really been a good transition. Wah, wah, wah. So <laughs> we'll just have... I think we should just, like, say, let's get out of here. <laughs> Don't forget to leave a comment, ask a question, or share your thoughts and theories. Give us a ring and leave a message at our new... Pirate Hotline, 8637-PIRATE. You can dial 8637-PIRATE. Send an email to podcast at blackpearlminute.com or hit us up on social media. Thanks again to Nicole for her comments. And yeah, wander on over to blackpearlminute.com to check that out if you want to see some spoilers for the next movie. And then we'll probably use some of her wisdom and research in our you know bonus episode when we get around to doing the new trailer that they sidelined us with <laughs> on Super Bowl. Yeah. We'll be back tomorrow with Minute 26 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling and sword fighting to a minimum. Ahoy there, mate! Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. If you like the show, then leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash pirates of the Caribbean minute, twitter.com slash blackpearlmen, and on soundcloud.com slash pirates of the Caribbean, where we post additional content, have episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags.